uh, it's me again, um, Kay. I hope everyone is out there is okay. Um, you might be able to tell that I've got a bit of a cold at the moment and it's affecting my voice, so I, I really apologise for that. I suppose the sleep deprivation isn't helping, but uh, but it's been four weeks now and it looks like I might have what could be considered an audience. Um, I'm kind of amazed at this, given this isn't exactly the most polished of productions, but uh, then again, you know, it, it never really was intended to be. Once upon a time, I probably would have uploaded all this to a forum, you, you know, one of those hyper-specific niche places that no one else but hyper-specific nerds would sign up to, but I suppose I could still do that, but, uh, oh well, for good or for ill, I'm here now. You lucky people. So, to the few people who have been in touch, thank you. I'm glad you think this is an interesting story. It's nice to know that everyone thinks this is fiction. <sighs> Sorry, that was a bit aggressive, wasn't it? Look, I don't blame you, you know, people who think this is just a story. Um, if I was listening, I'd be thinking the same thing. And it would be great, because then I wouldn't be sat in my garage, surrounded by old newspaper articles and reports about loads of people disappearing in a disaster that never happened. I'd be having all the fun in the world, creating never-ending nonsense just for the giggle of it. Unfortunately, that's not the case. If you think this is a story, that is absolutely fine. If you're not convinced now, that's on me. And I am fine with that. I get it. I want it to be a story too. And on that note, and I know I'm repeating myself here, if you do know anything about this, especially if you have evidence that it is, it is all fiction, and, you know, that I've been sucked into some massive hoax, please let me know. And if you don't, but you think you might have something that might corroborate what I found, I still want to hear from you guys too. It's, it's hard to do all this on your own. Also to that one person who went into great detail about aliens and reticulans and global conspiracies, yeah, I saw the X-Files too. I don't know if you're trolling or if you actually believe in all that nonsense, but either way, I'm sorry. Like I said before, I'm not quite ready to believe that aliens did it. This is all strange enough without involving little green men. You know, I'll give you this. If it is aliens, then I owe you a drink, okay? Your choice. Only don't go for one of those 400 quid shots of scotch you get in posh hotels because I can't afford that. But uh, does that sound fair? Cool. I'm taking a bit of a detour from the more hypothetical stuff I've been focusing on in the first couple of episodes and instead have been looking into reports of incidents that would have helped spread the news of the event around the globe. You know, try to track how people actually piece together the so-called facts. I've mentioned before that it took a good few days before the press started to join the dots. You know, these were the pre-internet and pre-24-hour news channel days, after all. And so the means for people to do that were just, they just weren't there. Nowadays, I have no doubt that the whole thing would have been on major news channels almost instantaneously, and that by the time a few days had elapsed, whole conspiracy theories would have constructed around it. I mean, you only have to look at the COVID pandemic to see that. But that doesn't seem to have happened here. Uh, of course, there are reports of people researching the causes and implications of the event, but mostly it just seems to be a moment of enormous global grief. People seemed more concerned with trying to find out what happened to their loved ones and then later to mourn them 
rather than coming up with elaborate theories as to how the government faked it all and how people born on the 29th of February were all crisis actors working for the New World Order flamingos who want to suck out our children's eyeball juice or whatever absolute lunatic bullshit we'd be subjected to nowadays. It seems to me that back then all people wanted was an actual explanation and to face the reality of the event that they didn't start concocting a load of over-the-top nonsense that allowed them to hide from it all makes me wonder what that says about us as a modern society, but, well, I'll leave that up to you. I don't want to get too political. For what it is, I actually do value what's left of my sanity. As far as I can tell, the story that cut through on a more global scale was one about a plane crash. Now, obviously, plane crashes are always big news. And so when it was discovered that Air India flight AI-358 disappeared over the Bay of Bengal near the coast of Thailand at the same time of the so-called event, people, understandably, thought the sound had caused the plane's instruments to go haywire and in turn crash into the ocean. Except no other flights were affected like this. The people on board were affected, that is, After the disappearance of AI-358, loads of people reported that they had heard the sound and that everyone was affected in the same way, but none of them crashed because it was only for a few seconds. They said it was like waking up to really bad turbulence. There wasn't enough time to crash the plane. So while everyone on other flights around the world were really disorientated and shaken up, nothing untoward happened which is why no one can definitively explain what happened to flight AI-358. The main working theory was that the plane was already in trouble somehow, and those vital few seconds sealed its fate. But there is one thing of note. The pilot and the co-pilot of flight AI-358 were brothers. In fact, they were twins. Both of them were celebrating their birthday that day, and as we've ascertained, everyone who disappeared was celebrating their birthday that day. According to the newspaper articles, the flight just vanished. But as with everything, that wasn't the whole story. The Bay of Bengal is pretty deep in places, and so recovering the wreckage from its waters was basically impossible. Later reports do say that about a year later, bits of the plane started washing up on the shores of Myanmar and the Andaman Islands, allowing authorities to surmise that it probably did indeed crash into the ocean. It looks like they managed to recover the flight recorder, which told them that right up until the moment the sound occurred, the flight was pretty routine. As with absolutely everything to do with this, I am not an expert on black boxes. I mean, I only found out a couple of days ago that they're not actually called black boxes anymore, as they are neither black nor even boxes. But as far as I can tell, they contain two elements, the flight data and the cockpit voice recorder. I haven't found any evidence that the actual transcript from the voice recorder was ever released, but the newspapers reported the basic gist of it, confirming that everything was normal, right up until the sound happened, after which both the pilot and the co-pilot, who were, as we've already established, twins, which in itself feels horribly contrived, but it is what it is, or they vanished, leaving the plane without anyone to fly it, which meant it crashed, killing everyone on board. 
and in that spirit, sorry, that was probably in bad taste. I, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Yeah, transitions are hard. Um, look, basically, I found another plane report. Not from flight AI358, of course. As far as we know, no one survived that. Um, but I don't know this flight number because it's one of the contributions to the museum and not in a newspaper article. But it's also a little different because it's not from a loved one or a friend. I, I think the person who wrote this was maybe trying to assuage a sense of guilt. A anyway, this flight was a transatlantic journey, so let's see what you think. To the man in seat A10. I don't know your name. We never spoke. I was in the seat directly behind you. You were travelling alone. Judging by your attire, I thought you were probably on business, but not good business, because either you or your company couldn't afford first class. And if I'm honest, you annoyed me, trying to shove your seat back, cramping my legs on such a long flight. No one likes to be sat behind the self-entitled arsehole. At the time, I probably would have preferred a crying baby. At least earplugs are a thing. You were reading the Washington Post. I remember that because you kept shaking it and I wanted to snatch it from your hands and smack you over the head with it like a naughty puppy. You also like to make your presence known with loud harumphs and complaints about all and sundry. Two hours into the flight and I was on the verge of asking to be moved. Four hours in and I was ready to commit murder. I did my best to try and lull myself to sleep. I had fresh batteries in my Walkman and a good selection of tapes, but every time you called the hostess over to fill your drink, I could, or complain about the food or, or whine about the ambient temperature, I wanted to scream that she wasn't your personal servant. You had that kind of voice, all nasally and superior, with your over-the-top Brooklyn accent that just scraped against everyone's nerves. Don't think I didn't notice the looks the other passengers near us were giving you, and I agreed with them wholeheartedly. Please, just shut up. When you finally went to the bathroom, it was like a tiny reprieve. I don't remember exactly what woke me up. There was a deep buzzing sensation in my head as the pressure built, making me wonder if we'd been forced to drop altitude quickly. Then the plane started to shake, but I wasn't worried. When you fly as much as I do, turbulence is just another thing that happens, but I could see the worry etched on the faces of the other passengers, could feel their concern. You were back in your seat. I could only see the back of your head, but I could still tell you were nervous. Mr Big Business Hotshot Guy, feeling anxious about a little bit of turbulence. At first, I thought it was funny felt superior, but it didn't last. The shaking grew more intense by the second. There were a few kids on the flight and all of them were now crying. It was then that I noticed that no one had made any announcements on the intercom, that no flight attendants were coming to tell us to buckle our seatbelts. I glanced around, trying to see where they were, but as the sense of pressure grew, I began to feel sick. Really sick. My heart pounded and my head throbbed. 
I couldn't see. My vision blurred as I felt my top lip grow damp. I groped for a napkin, but instead pitched forward, hitting my head on the back of your seat. Then the whole plane groaned, like it was alive and being tortured by some huge, monstrous thing. My first instinct was to try to cover my ears with my hands, but I couldn't move. My stomach swooped painfully as the plane dropped and my ears popped. All around me, people were wailing, their voices deep and bubbling. And underneath them, that awful, torturous grinding that threatened to pulverise my insides and grind my bones to dust. I'm not kidding when I thought my teeth were going to shake themselves free. When I try to recall that sound, the closest thing I can compare it to is the deep, haunting moan of whales, only scaled up so much it could be used to level mountains. To this day, I have no idea what caused it, or where it came from. No one does. But it has instilled an anxiety in me that I can't name. Whatever it was, natural or not, it was a reminder that no matter what we may think, we are not in charge of this world. I often wonder if it was a kind of wake-up call. Sorted out humanity, or else. I'm still not entirely sure if we all passed out, or if something happened in those few missing seconds that we have collectively blacked out from our minds. If that's the case, what did we see? What did we experience? Why do so many people now give each other hollow glances, as if acknowledging that we made it through something truly awful in every sense of the word, even if we can't remember the details? I I don't know. No one does. But I do know that the only passenger that they couldn't account for after that planetary cry was the man I was sitting behind. He vanished from what was effectively a sealed metal tube flying 33,000 feet above sea level. And no one knows how. And no one knows why. Do I feel bad writing this account? A little. I can't help that I disliked him before this happened, and I can't help feel a bit guilty for thinking those thoughts. Later, I found out that his name was Victor Long, from New York. I know it was him because he was the only missing passenger on that flight. As it turned out, he wasn't on business at all. He was flying to London to visit his estranged daughter. It was also his birthday. If you're Victor Long's daughter, please accept my sincerest condolences. Whatever drove you apart in the first place, neither of you deserved this. I just hope we find out what happened to your father and to all the people who similarly vanished into thin air that day. Until then... Consider this part of keeping his memory alive, even if it is in a passive-aggressive, arseholeish way. I am so very, very sorry for your loss. The person writing this piece didn't supply a name, so I have no idea who it might have been. When I first read it, I won't lie, I, I thought it was appalling. Why would you do this? Why preserve Victor Long's memory in such a shitty way? But I suppose that's all part of it, isn't it? That the people who disappeared, they weren't saints or angels or abstracts of good filled with nothing but virtue. They were humans, like all of us. 
a rough collection of flaws and vices held together by guilt and occasional happiness. We've all travelled with a Victor Long, the guy who won't take his feet off the seat, the guy who talks on his phone too loudly, the guy who jumps the queue because he's just so much more important than everyone else. Well, there's a good chance that at least one of you is that person. And in a way, that makes this whole phenomenon all that more believable. A stranger, working through survivor's guilt. In a way, selfish, but what are humans if not selfish? Anyway, enough of my amateur philosophising. In truth, this story stood out because of how impossible it is. Like that old lady who disappeared from under the nose of her son and her doctors. How could a man vanish from a plane in mid-flight? This isn't D.B. Cooper, who hijacked a plane, insisted they fly low and then jumped out of it, never to be seen again. This is a guy who was sat in his seat one minute and gone the next. 33,000 feet above water. Hmm. The sea. Or, more accurately, water. The twin pilots disappeared over the Bay of Bengal, just as Stella Treadle vanished near the Cornish coast. May was near a swimming pool. The only one I can't tie to the water connection is the old woman, but hey, maybe the hospital was next to a river or something. Oh, it's probably nothing. I think my brain is latching onto any old connections these days. Anything to help make this make sense. But still, it, it's something to bear in mind. It's a slightly shorter one today because, yeah, I'm not feeling great. So that's it for now. As before, if you think you know anything about this phenomenon, please use the email in the show notes to contact me. And Mr. It's Aliens Guy, I really appreciate your enthusiasm, but this is weird enough without dragging in E.T. the extraterrestrial. I'm going to go and have a lie down now. Recording these things is absolutely exhausting. So, until next time... Take care. There's a museum of the missing. Museum of the Missing is written, performed, and produced by Claire Waller. The title song, Museum of the Missing, was written by David Rizal and is performed by David Rizal and Claire Rizal. It is used with permission. If you're enjoying the story, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Contact details and social media links are in the show notes. If you wish, you may also buy the podcast a coffee at Museum of the Missing. Thank you for listening.